right, let's try that one more time. I know you had a long day. You worked very hard. But I'm so happy that you came here this evening. So good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. So we've taken a three-day sabbatical. So I don't know what you did those three days off. I hope you are, were studying and praying and digging deep into the word. But brothers and sisters, I have to tell you something. If you were going to miss a weekend, you should have missed last weekend. Because this one coming up, you don't want to miss a night. Tomorrow night is the devil's nightmare. Now let me tell you something. If the devil's having a nightmare, it must be a good dream. What do you say? So we're talking about the devil's nightmare on Friday night. And then on Saturday night, we're going to be talking about sex, violence, and a new world order. Now you don't want to miss that night. And then there's one on Sunday, there's a, I actually titled the message, The Blessing That Nobody Wants. Can you imagine there's a blessing that God wants to give, but literally people have no desire to receive it? So you don't want to miss any of these nights as we're building and coming into a closer and still closer relationship with Jesus. But before we begin this evening, you realize that I am not smart enough or intelligent enough to communicate the realities of the gospel to you. So we need help. Is that okay? And so we're going to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our teacher as we open the word of God. Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve but giving us what your dear son does. And Lord, as we're about to open our Bibles, we ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his blood. Amen. Amen. All right, so I need to make a quick announcement in regards to my eye. My daughter told me to tell you that I am not turning into a monster. So if you see this eye right here, it's, it's a little red. It's been two days now. Something's been in there irritating my eye. So my daughter told me to tell you that I, it's okay. I'm, not, I'm okay. I'm not seeing anything blurry or anything, so everything's going to come out fine. My voice still works. Amen? Amen. Uh, there was one time I had, I had Bell's palsy one time. I don't know if you guys know what Bell's palsy is. But that's when the left side of my face essentially just froze up, and it wouldn't work. It wouldn't function. And I, I was having an argument with God because the, I think two weeks later I was supposed to preach, and I didn't want to preach with a, a frozen face. And the Lord was speaking to my mind. I was talking to the Lord. The Lord spoke to my mind and said, Andre, um, did I use a donkey to speak before? I said, well, yes. He was like, well, I can use you. Is that all right? Because at the end of the day, it's never about the preacher. It's always about the word. You know, I was talking to some of you who are visiting here with us, and we were talking at the end, and we were talking about this moving of the Spirit, and I, I encouraged that group that was with me. I said, look, if you're moved by the Spirit and you have a feeling in your body or you're, you're moved by the Spirit and you, you want to speak in tongues, all I say is, is your experience based on the Word? See, our, our emotional experience doesn't matter. Our I, I think and I feel doesn't have any bearing in regards to the relationship with Jesus. The question is, what does the word of God say and how should I respond to that word? And I've seen that you all have been honest in regards to the scripture. Every time a truth has been presented, you've said, I'm willing to follow that word. Every night that has been brought to you, you said, I've been willing to follow that word. And that mindset is the protection against the many deceptions that are coming into our world today. So I want you in your Bibles, when we, when we open them up, I want you to be prayerful. Because literally you can't trust preachers. You have to see, thus saith the Lord, what does the Bible say? And tonight we're going to do just that. We're going to open the Bible and see what it has to say. But tonight's subject is save my family. Save my family family. There's a story, you're very familiar with it, and I want you to turn in your Bible, see Ecclesiastes 1.9 before we get there, but there's a story in the Bible speaking in regards to Noah. 
And Noah had an intent, and he was following instruction from God to build a big, massive boat. And that story is actually very informative to us in these last hours. So we in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. And notice what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Everybody follow that? So pay attention. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to tell me if it's past, present, or future. The thing that hath been. Hath been is that past, present, or future. Past. Very good. It is that which shall be. Shall be is that past, present, or future. Future. Very good. And that which is done is that past, present, or future. That is present. So let's read it one more time. The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. So we can, as Bible students, we can simply say, as we look at the historical event of Noah's Ark, we can say that is which hath been, and that story, the principle of that story, will find its application in the future. Are you following the idea? So when we look at this story, don't, you know, somebody's going to write a question. Why are we studying Noah when it, we're talking about prophecy? Because our history informs our future. Are you following me, my friends? Our history informs our future. Go with me to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 15. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 15. Notice here what the Bible says. It says, that which hath been is... What's it say? Now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. So now we have something, a slight difference in the text. God now has a requirement for presently what was given in the past. God requires that which is past. Look what the Bible says here. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. It says, and as it was in the days of Noah, that which is past, so shall it be also in the days of the, what's it say? Son of man. So as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the son of man. Now go with me to, to the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Genesis chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wise of all, which they chose. So the first point I want to bring out here in the passage is very, very clear. The sons of God took wives of all that they chose, and they chose them from the daughters of men. Now this is very important because when you look at the passage, go back with me for a moment to Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 1. Genesis 5 and verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis 5, 1. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name, what's it say? Called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Verse 3, and Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begot a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and called his name, what's his name? Seth. Keep that in mind. Now go hold your hand here. We're going to do a little bit of a Bible study. Is that okay? We're doing a Bible study. Hold your hand here. Go with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. Luke chapter 3. Now, in Luke chapter 3, we have the lineage of Christ 
And this lineage starts going down and down and down, and we're going to get all the way down to verse 30. We're going to go from verse 36 to the end of the chapter. But in chapter 3, it, it begins by highlighting who Jesus' lineage was. Verse 36 says, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxed, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Meleliel, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of who, my friends? God. So go back now to the book of Genesis chapter 6. The sons of God are the ones that came from the lineage of Adam who were following after what God had instructed them to do. Are you following? So you had one line from Seth, and that's the sons of God, and then you have another line. Go with me back now to the Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, in verse number 1, the Bible says in Genesis 4 verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. So who are the two sons? Who are the two sons of Adam and Eve? Cain and Abel. So we've already seen that the sons, the son of uh, Adam and then there's Abel and then there's Seth. These were in the lineage called the sons of God. Are you following that idea? Now go back, you're here in Genesis chapter 4. I want you to go with me to verse number 16. Verse number 16. It says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in a land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad and begot Mahujael. And Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech, and Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zelah, and Ada bare Jabo. He was the father of such that dwell in tents, and of such that had cattle. Now pause. The reason why I'm reading this lineage to you, because they're two separate lines. This line from the line of Cain are in rebellion against God. And the line that is in the line of Abel and Seth are the sons of God. And so those that are in rebellion to God are called the daughters of men. Are you following? There's a teaching that's somewhat strange. I've heard it before. I've actually, in class, actually had to read this. Well, some believe that the sons of God were aliens. And that the daughters of men were the earthlings. And that the aliens impregnated the earthlings, and then you have the giants. Okay, this is... This is not biblical. Are you following the idea? So what we're showing you is that the sons of God are actually the sons and daughters of God, those who follow after what God has instructed. So when we read this now, when it says the sons of God took wives of the daughters of men that they chose, this causes me to pause because the Bible says that which happened in the days of Noah will be repeated in our day. So let's, let's read Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Watch carefully. Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, and we're looking at verse number 10. Proverbs 31, and we're looking at verse number 10. Watch carefully. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? Isn't that a great question? I hear Samuel saying, uh. <laughs> huh? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Now, when's the last time you saw a ruby on the street? Do you, do you see rubies just laying out on the street? No, no, why? Because they are precious. They're rare. Is that right? Now, if you're going to go to, you have to go to a jeweler or someone that has that expertise. Maybe you have to go on a, an excavation to figure out where is this precious gem? But who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Now, watch this. I, I love this part. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days 
of her life. I mean, the same question can be asked about a man, right? Who can find a virtuous man? The, the, the price is far above rubies. The idea is that you can't just randomly go out there and select a partner. Are you feeling what I'm saying? So what happened in the days of Noah, the sons of God saw the, saw the daughters of men and said, oh, I like how that walks right there. I, I, I like how that moves right there. Oh, she pleases me well. Their minds were not where God wanted them. They were selecting for themselves. And whenever we make selections for ourselves, we compound our problems. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We compound our problems because at the end of the day, we're looking for something special. We're looking for something rare. And if you're looking for that, you've got to find out and know exactly where you need to look. I have, a, I have a text to help you out. Proverbs chapter 19, look at what it says in verse number 14. Proverbs 19, verse 14, notice what the Bible says. Look at what it says. I'm giving you a secret. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14, the Bible says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from who, my friends? Okay, well, let's think about this for a, mo a moment. Let's process this information in my mind. If I'm looking for a spouse, the person I should be going to is the source of where it comes from. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Not from what they chose, not from how I feel, not by what, what I, I see Beyonce moving. I think I want to be with somebody like Beyonce. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. A prudent wife is from the Lord. So if I want someone prudent, if I want someone to bring me up, to make me happy and holy, then I need to be seeking the Lord more than I need to be seeking a person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because in our world today, the multiplicity, the great issues of our world today is because of our homes and our brokenness in our relationships in our homes. Y'all not hearing me. Don't, that's all right. We're going to go a little bit further. Watch what else the Bible says. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verses 21 to 25. Genesis chapter 2, 21 to 25. Notice what the Bible says. We're talking about save my family. Genesis chapter 2, 21 to 25. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a, what's it say, my friends? A woman. And brought her unto the man. Please notice there's something super awesome about this whole scenario. The idea is that God takes from a rib. Now, the rib, what does the rib protect? What's that right there? Yeah, that's some vital organs it protects. So he takes a protective uh, cartilage, and he takes that cartilage. In the cartilage of a, of, 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 the, of a human being is what they have, DNA. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Actually, DNA is all throughout your cells and all your body, but just, just take the, the, the rib, and it has the DNA. What God did was he crafted a woman to fit the exact needs of Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They were, by God's order, orchestrated to be one with the other. Adam wasn't looking for her directly. He didn't know exactly. You know, when, when I thought of my wife, I, didn't think, I was thinking, man, I want a woman that can play basketball. <laughs> Y'all not hearing me. <laughs> I want a woman, because I, I used to hoop, you know. I used to, I, my left hand, my right hand, I want a woman that can understand what I'm going through. I need a woman that can play some ball. Then I thought, you know. Then I started being in ministry. I was like, man, I need a woman that doesn't mind being broke. <laughs> Sleep on the floor a little bit. Be willing to go to foreign countries and do some, some work together in my mind. And this idea that came to my mind is not my mind. God's putting it in my mind. I had, there was one young lady, true story, one young lady, we were at a particular church and she dressed very, very nice. She was very, very, very nice, very high class. Her shoes were very, very, very expensive. Her hair was always a new hairdo every week. And one day she came to me, she was like, hey, Andre, you want to go on a, you know, a date together? I'm like, she gave me her number. So I didn't call her. She calls me, she sees me the next Sabbath. 
the next Saturday, and she, she comes to me and says, hey, how come you haven't called me? I said, girl, uh, just, let me just be honest. You're too expensive. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're too expensive. I'm not going to be able to afford you. You, you, seem to be, you. you seem to need the finer things of, uh, of life. I, I, I can't provide that for you. In my mind, again, the idea is that I needed someone that fit my DNA. And what we try to do in our day and time is like, it's not about our DNA. It's about what, how she pleases me how he pleases me. And in those moments of pleasure alone, we have that great joy, that great moment, and then the trials and tribulations of life present themselves, and then we have this high divorce rate. I've actually been to homes, listen to me, I've actually been to homes where the husband stays on the lower level and the wife stays upstairs. The only time they actually communicate, the only time they talk, is when there's a bill that has to be paid. They don't eat together. And I'm not talking about some random atheists. I'm talking about people that say they believe in Jesus. Because what's happened is there's this union, but there are, what is it? It's a, it's a deadlock. It's, it's not a happy home. It's, a, it's an unhappy place. My friends, I tell you the truth, it's because our homes are messed up that the world is having such great problems today. They want to solve the issues of life. You want to solve the great economy issues. You want to stop war with Iran and Iraq. You want, let's solve the home problem. Let's solve the home problem. So God is the one that brings the two together. Man doesn't exactly know what he wants. The woman doesn't exactly know what she needs. But if God orchestrates it, my friends, I tell you the truth, you can't have anything but happiness there. But notice what else it says. It says in verse 23, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Remember that key, one of those keys we talked about in Bible prophecy is the word covenant. This is covenant language. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe, man, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be, what's it say, my friends? One flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not, what's it say? This union, as I think about it, brothers and sisters, This union is so powerful that it uses language that literally belongs to Jesus and his church. The two shall be one flesh. They'll be naked but not ashamed. Oh, brothers and sisters, this reality is missing in the experience of God's people in these last days. And in fact, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And I want you to see this. Remember this passage. We read it already. A prudent wife is from who, my friends? So therefore, we need to go to the Lord when we begin to seek to select a partner. Now you say, Brother Andre, I'm already married. And it's already hell on earth. I, I tell you the truth, and I speak not by theory, but by experience in helping others. I've known a family. In fact, remember I told you the story? I was telling you a story about my mom and dad. Remember that story about my mom and dad? Do you guys remember what happened to my mom and dad? They fight. They were fighting. They did did not like it. My mom chased my dad out the house. Literally. It was not, and and mind you, this, this is church folks. This is religious people. And I remember a true story, true story. I remember taking this very lesson, this one right here, the one that you're going to receive tonight when you go home. I remember taking this lesson, and I sat down with my mom and dad. I said, Mom and Dad, come on. You need to sit down. We need to have a Bible study. <laughs> so they sit, they sit on one side of the table, one person sat there, and I start going through each one of these questions, <laughs> one by one, one by one. Mom, how do you continue your courtship? Bible says, read that. Remember that God joined you together in marriage. I'm reading this. Now, as a desperate young man, I'm reading this to my parents, reading it. Do you know they still separated? 
Now listen to me. It's one thing to have a head knowledge. It's another thing to submit to the truth as it is in the scripture. It's one thing to read it in paper. See, this is the thing. And this is just me being honest with you. I don't want to be a fake Christian. Anybody else feel like that? I don't, I don't want to be fake, period. I definitely don't want to be a fake Christian. I don't want to be reading something here and it doesn't work. I don't want to be reading about, oh, God can give you peace, but there's no peace. I, I don't want to be talking about um, you can be saved, but then I'm still struggling with the same stuff. I don't want that type of Christianity. I want the real deal. Give me the genuine. Are you, feel, are you understanding what I'm saying? So here my parents are, and I'm reading this to them, and nothing's working. So I remember going back to school, and as I was at school, I remember my sister calling me and telling me all the things that was going on, and I cried myself to sleep. 19-year-old man, just weeping, crying. All I knew was my parents. All I knew was their union together. That's all I knew. 19, I'm crying myself to sleep that night. Next day I get up go to church. Remember I told you that, and we had that special prayer, and that, that moment in, in that church, 3,000 people, I'm on the right-hand side, and there's a peace that just comes over me. It makes no logical sense. Nothing in their situation changed. It was all God in that moment in time to give me that peace, but I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I got up from that prayer, and maybe a couple of days in, my friends used to come to me and say, hey, Dre, how's your mom and dad? Because I would let them know what was going on. How's your mom and dad? And I would say, look, I don't know what's going on with my mom and dad. All I know is God got this. I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I, 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 God got this. And I, I left it before God. I prayed and agonized, Father, save my family. And one day, <laughs> my mother calls me. And I'm walking down like, the mid, like through campus. Mom calls me. Hey, Andre. I say, hey, Mom. She's like, guess who I'm in the bed with? I'm like, Mom, please. Do not want to know this type of information. <laughs> My mom and dad were back together. And you know, I am 41 years old. They have been married for 43 years. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. That's all God. That's God stepping in to bring back that which is completely separated, completely broken. He said, I can bring it back into unity. And brothers and sisters, save my family. I prayed that prayer. I tell you the truth. I prayed it and I cried it and I questioned God. I questioned my, my theological information. And look, God said, Andre, I got this. I got this. And my friends, I, I say that testimony to say if your homes are going through any type of anything, my God in heaven still does the same type of work. You don't just have to be roommates. You can be love mates. Amen don't have to tolerate each other. You can actually truly love each other. It says that the children were born to this illicit union. Go back to Genesis 6 for a moment. Go back to Genesis 6. And we're making good time. In Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to start reading again at verse number 4. It says... And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also that after, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now, so this union between that which was supposed to be God's people and then the unrighteous bore fruit. This fruit that was born, there were no idiots in this group. They were smart, intelligent, great men that were born, but their, their, their loyalty was not to God. Their loyalty was to the exaltation of themselves. And wickedness began to rapidly increase in the land. Now, we're going to look at a couple of verses. I want you to start seeing a principle. So I'm going to lay it out here. Go to Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Ezra. We're going to lay a principle. Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Notice what the Bible says. It says, now when these things were done, 
The princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priest and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard these things, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. Now for a moment, I just want you to ask the question. The passage reads, these are God's children and they are intermarrying with the Jebusites, the Hibites, the all the ites. As this is going on, the Ezra hears it, and what does he do? What does the Bible say he does? He rinses his clothes and shaves off half his beard. Now, why did he do that? Because the holy was being mixed with the unholy, with the profane. Now, remember the other night, and we're going to see it in a moment. Remember I told you what happens when that happens? When the holy mixes with the unholy? Judgment comes. In fact, true, true story, the, a couple of years ago, my wife and I were in Connecticut, and I was sleeping. I had a dream. And in this dream, I was sitting in this big church, massive church, and I, but there were a few people in the church. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, anybody know who Snoop Dogg is? Anybody know who Snoop is? Anybody know Snoop? Okay, Snoop. So in the dream, Snoop goes up to the pulpit. And I'm confused. I'm like, Snoop, what you doing? So Snoop goes up to the pulpit, and he starts to stand up like he's about to preach. And I said, oh, no, this can't happen. So I get up from my seat, and I go up to Snoop, and I go up to the platform where he is. I was like, yo, hey, Snoop, you can't do this, bruh. And this is what Snoop said to me. Don't judge me. <laughs> it did just like that. Don't judge me. Now, this is years. Now, mind you, Snoop has always done secular music, always done rap, gangster music. That's all he's ever done in his whole life. I've never seen anything other than that. So that dream was strange to me until three years ago. And on Saturday night, I'm going to show you something. Snoop literally got in the pulpit, and Snoop, on a video, he's talking about this Christian music that he started to make. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying. Are you saying praise God? Watch, watch it now. <laughs> and he's cra- making his music, and then he literally says, people are questioning me about this, and he says to any preacher that's questioning me, don't judge me. <laughs> Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. There's a mixture now of that which is holy, and that which was profane. And brothers and sisters, it's coming in to the churches. Give me, give me a second. Go, go hold your hand right here in, in Ezra. We're going to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 18. Go to Revelation chapter 18 for a moment. Look at what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 18. Because remember, that which has, hath been is that which shall be. So in Revelation 18, there's something interesting that takes place here. In Revelation chapter 18, we're going to start reading at verse number 1. And my friends, as we go through our series, we're going to tackle this passage very, very thoroughly in the near future. It says, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, what does he say? Babylon the great is, what's it say? Fallen is fallen, says it twice. And it's become the habitation of what? Devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Verse 3, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. So what we have here, there's a declaration from heaven 
to the earth to say, watch out, Babylon is fallen. Why? Because there's unclean spirits within Babylon. The cage of every unclear, uh, every, uh, every unclear clean spirit and hateful bird. The message is actually stated again, Revelation 14. Go there, Revelation chapter 14. Look at what it says in verse number 8. Watch what it says. In Revelation 14, verse 8, it says, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is, what's it say? It is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So there you see it again, this idea that there is a drunkenness happening amongst the nations because this woman is going around making people drink. Now, this is powerful and seriously symbolic. And my friends, I'm telling you, that which is holy is being mixed with that which is unholy. Remember we, we did Daniel chapter 5? You guys were here. In Daniel 5, we saw them bring out those holy vessels, and they were then praising the gods of gold and of silver, of brass and of stone. And this sacred vessels with profane behavior brought the bloodless hand to write on the wall. And so it is in Genesis, uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 6. This union of those holy men with unholy women is now about to bring judgment from God in the form of a flood. Are you following, my friends? Now notice, go back with me now to Genesis. Go back to Genesis. Oh, actually, we just did one of these in Ezra 9, nine verses 1 through 6. We're not going to read all of these passages, but I do want to especially look at Psalms 106. Go to Psalms 106. Now, you write the rest of the passages down, go home and study them out. But look at what the Bible says in Psalms 106, and we're reading verse number 34. And again, we're watching how God is dealing with the mixture of that which is holy and that which is unholy. The Bible says in Psalms 106, verse 34, They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but they but were mingled among the heathen, and what's it say? And learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus, they, thus were they defiled with their own works, and went whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance, mercy. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hands. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their, what's the word there, my friends? So do you see it? Do you see it? Here it is. God has a people, but God's people don't want to be separate. So what do they do? They want to be like the world. So when they're like the world, God allows for judgments to come. He allows for these issues to arise so the people of God can wake up. But sometimes we take too long. Sometimes we play with it too long, so we learn the works of the world. So now when we learn the works of the world, we bring the world into what we perceive as Christianity. Are you following what I'm saying? And when we do that, we place ourselves in a dangerous place. Remember, we're talking about save our families. Today, there's a lack of distinction between that which is righteous and that which is unclean. For a moment. I want you to think for yourself. I'm not going to go through and make a list for you. In your home, what is unclean in your household? In your home, what do you have in your space, in your time, on your search, in your computer that is unholy and unclean? If you have anything like that, my friends, I tell you, tonight you need to make a decision. Tonight you need to say, Father, help me because I can't help myself. Tonight, you need to make that decision because if you don't make the decision, all it's going to do is continue to wrap you in and wrap you in and wrap you in. So when the call comes for safety or for salvation, you're going to refuse it. You're going to fight against it. But tonight, if you know anything in your life that needs to be put away, tonight's the night to make that decision. 
Tonight's the night to give it to the master so that he can deliver you from bondage. Notice, remember we talked about this the other night? The first night, there's a mixture of iron and clay. There's a mixture of a, a state power and a church power, that which is pagan and that which is holy. And every time we see the union of those two together, there's always a judgment that soon, soon comes behind it. Oh, I don't, have, I don't want to go too much into this further. I think, how many understand the point that I'm making? How many understand that? You understand it? Praise God. Because I don't want to keep repeating myself, repeating myself. The preacher repeats himself. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to repeat it till you get it. You didn't get it, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> so this point is repeated, and we went over it the other night. We showed how the clay was a symbol of the church. And the, but this mingling part, and we touched it just now, but I want you to make sure you write these passages down. This mingling has less to do with potentates marrying to another potentate or ruler man or another ruler. This has to do with the righteous mingling with the unrighteous. And when I say mingling, I'm not talking about mingling for witnessing sake. I'm talking about hanging out just to hang out. We do and drink and sing the same songs. We dance the same dances. We watch the same movies. We do the same things as the world does them. And God's like, there's going to be a separation. There's going to, listen, I'm going to say it softer so you don't think I'm an angry black man with a red eye. <laughs> listen, there's going to be a separation. And that separation is not something that God's wanting. To, it's, not, it's not like he wants to throw somebody in this place or that way. God wants to separate us from that which destroys us. That's all it is. He wants to separate us from that which destroys us. So that way, when he separates it out, he can deal with sin by itself and he can save us. That's what he wants. That's all he desires. And he's not mad because we sin. Trust me. <laughs> There's enough sin that's going around. He's suffering because we sin, but he's not mad about it. He's letting you try it out. Listen, God, God is literally letting you try out your sin. And he's saying, is it working for you? Is it bringing you peace? Try it out. If you, if you think smoking is going to do it for you, keep doing it. If you think alcohol is going to do it for you, keep doing it. If you think pornography is going to do it for you, keep doing it. If you think your anger issues that you want to just hold on to for the rest of your if you think that's going to bring just go ahead. And he's letting you try it out until you get to the point where you say, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. That is the love of God, my friends. He's not forcing you to do anything. Not a thing. Not a thing, my friend. He just wants you to give him a chance. And tell, I tell you something, when you give him a chance, there's nothing like it. I used to not. Can you imagine me not liking my Bible? I used to hate to read this book in any other religious book there was. I didn't want to read this. It's boring. Thou shalt not. What? Don't, don't do this. You can't go here. You can't do that. I'm like, man, look, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with that. Until one day I just said, let me. It was a simple prayer. I, a true story. So I was in the academy, or it's like a high school. So I was in high school, and my friends and I had gone to the club. Now, mind you, I was very protected as a child, so I had never gone anywhere. But I had gone to the club, and I went to the club, and I had a wonderful time. You don't understand. It was just like, what? This is great. People partying, people dancing around. It was a wonderful experience. I'm like, man, this is great. But I knew too much. You guys know what I'm talking about? I knew too much. It was like in my brain, just sitting right there. I know too much. So I got back to my dorm, snuck back in, and I'm in the dorm, and I remember doing just like this. I'm sitting on my bed, and I look up at the ceiling as if I'm looking to God. I say, God, I have fun tonight. And if you don't show yourself real to me, I'm going to the world. Straight up, honest conversation with God. And no pretense. If you don't show yourself real to me, I'm going to the world. Now, mind you, I have this book, and one night we're going to give it to you. There's a book called Steps to Christ. It's a powerful book. And I've, every time I tried to read the book, I could never understand a word. 
15, 16 years old. I could never just, it was just like a foreign language. <laughs> the next morning I got up and I picked up the book, the spiritual book. I read it and it was crystal. I said, whoa. It was crystal. It was no question. It was God speaking to my mind. I understood for the first time a whole paragraph out of the book. I was like, what's happening? And from that point going forward, my friends, I'm telling you, understanding, fellowship, communication, it was just beautiful. And it wasn't something I created in myself. I couldn't create that. That's not something I could do. It was something supernatural where heaven said, I'm going to save you, boy. I'm going to step in for you, my friends. And that's why I'm telling you tonight, it's not a theory that we're talking about. It's God really wants to make you clean. And he can do it. He wants to make you whole. And he can do it. It's not about the preacher. It's about his word. It's about his word. So they shall not clean. We're going to pass this. We're going to pass this. Number three. The Bible says that the imagination of their hearts was only evil continually. Now, the other night, we started dealing with the fall of Lucifer, and we looked at his problem. Anybody remember what his problem was? Problem. Come on now, you guys are great students. He had an eye problem. And the Bible says here that the imagination of these people's hearts was evil continually. In fact, the, the Hebrew kind of indicates it was like every day. Non-stop, evil thinking. Do you think we're in that day and time now? Oh, brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, you're doing it every day yourself. Evil thoughts every day, continuously. And th the idea is that it's non-stop. And the greatest issue, my friend, is the eye problem. The eye problem. Go to Proverbs 18, verse 8 for me for a moment. Psalms, Proverbs. A lot of good texts there, but we covered quite a few of those the other day. In Proverbs 18, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. In Proverbs 18, verse 8, the Bible says, The words of a talebearer, that's a whisperer, backbiter, a gossiper. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. In other words, it's tasty, it's dainty. It's like, anybody like good gossip? Don't, don't tell me, don't smile, don't tell me anything. People backbite and talk about you behind your back, or you talk about them behind their back. That's all of the devil. You guys know that, right? In fact, I say this everywhere I go. It doesn't matter what group of people I'm talking to. The issue in our world today is everybody's talking about somebody in a negative way behind their backs. How can I have a relationship with you if in your heart and mind you don't really like me, but you're going to say, hey, how you doing, Mr. Mr. Waller? It's pretentious. Relationships aren't real. And we chap, yep, 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 yep. What are the, the highest selling magazines in the United States are gossip magazines. It's not the USA Today. Those are going out of business. Although they're trying to turn this to gossip mag the papers. But the, the highest selling magazines in our country are gossip magazines. Most visited websites outside of pornography, gossip websites. The perversion that is in our hearts and minds, brothers and sisters, is out of this world. It's getting worse. But this gossip began in heaven. Notice, nothing new under the sun. You are your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a, what's the word there? He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar. And what does it say? So if you lie, and if I lie, who's your daddy? Hmm? And, that, and remember, I went over the last night. It could be a blue lie, purple lie, green lie, red, red lie, orange lie. It don't matter what color the lie is. A lie is a? And your daddy is the devil. I don't want him to be my daddy. Are you, are you understanding? Isaiah 9.15 says, The ancient and the honorable, he is the head. And the prophet that teaches lies, he is the, he is the tell. And watch this. Whosoever hateth his brother 
is a, what's it say? Is a murderer. So if you hate, then you murder. That's why racism has no place amongst God's people. What do you say? No place. He who hates is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, I'm going to put this up. In the beginning, there was a murderer, and the murderer taught lies. But we know that if you lie, in fact, before I read that, go to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26. I want us to read verse number 28. Proverbs 26 and verse 28. It says, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. So a lying tongue hates. So based on the text, on all the texts that we just read, if you hate, you are a murderer. And if you lie, you hate. So every time someone lies, they're actually committing murder. And what's one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not? Thou shalt not commit murder. You should not kill. And the imagination of the hearts was evil, continually lying, cheating, committed adultery. Bible says in Psalms 119.69, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my, what's it say? With my whole heart. Praise God. With my whole heart. The proud have forged a lie. The proud have forged a lie. Go with me now to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. Back to Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to wrap this up. In Genesis chapter 6, we're making good time. You can still get to work tomorrow on time. Amen. In Genesis chapter 6, verse number 8, after all this is going on, the Bible says these wonderful words. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 8 says, but Noah found, what did he find, my friends? Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So in the midst of all that chaos, in the midst of all that confusion and sin and rebellion and intermarrying that they, who they shouldn't marry and so forth and so on, Noah finds grace in the sight of the Lord. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And these texts are going to be repeated nearly nightly going forward. Because brothers and sisters, this grace is available to each one of us. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse is 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace are ye, what's it say? Saved through faith, and, and that not of yourselves, it is a, what's it say? It is a gift. Not of works, lest any man should what? So, can I just, I don't know how to say this without, like, getting on people's nerves or be misunderstood. There's not enough good things you could do to go to the Father and say, I've been a good guy. I deserve to get in. There's, not, there's, there's literally nothing you can, you, you can't be like, well, I've read my Bible through 18 times. I've preached so many sermons. I, I, I've been the kindest person on planet. That's not going to get you in. It's for by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. So what does that mean? Watch this, watch this. Can you, can you stand up for, for a moment? Now, this, this brother right here, turn around. don't worry. They, they're pretty nice. They've been kind to me the whole time. All right. So this, this brother is going to be Jesus. Are you guys ready for this? This is Jesus. This is my sin. You guys ready? So here I am. I'm a sinner. My life is messed up. I've lived a good life, but a not a holy life. And I'm now called to repent. God's calling me to a point where I need to submit to him. And there's a, there's a phrase or a, a, a quote that I like to, to memorize. It says, it says, nothing is apparently more helpless 
yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness but relies wholly upon the merits of the Savior. So I, I say to myself, well, that's interesting. So you're going to, you're Jesus. You're going to take this because I can't give it to you. Go ahead, take it. Now, when he reaches to take it, I have to decide to allow him to take it. I can hold it. I can say, no, man, I'm, I'm good. But he says he's going to take it. Now, the, the question now is, once he takes it, he's, he has it. In order for me to go back and do what I do, you know what I have to do? I got to take it back. For by grace are we saved through faith, yet not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I didn't work for that. I didn't effort that. I released that. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Literally, he takes it. I don't take it. Now watch. Can you take it from me? Now my part right now is to believe that he took it. You ever, you ever um, anybody ever lift weights before? Okay, so you lift weights. One time I was downstairs working out by myself. Long time ago when I was a young man, I didn't know no better. So I'm down there lifting, and the bar rests on my chest. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Anybody ever had that happen to you? So it rests, and, it, and it, the pressure is so intense that I had to somehow shake the weights off, and then, you know, and I got it off. But even though the weight was gone, I still felt the pressure. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Just because you feel the pressure doesn't mean it's, it's not gone. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because you feel the pressure doesn't mean it's not gone. Just because the temptation presents itself back to you doesn't mean that you're still under it. No, Jesus has taken it. I have complete trust that it's in his hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For by grace are we saved through faith, yet not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, a gift, nothing you have earned. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest I boast and say, I'm a good man. I'm not a good man. As I stand before you now, I'm not a good man. All I am is advanced dust particles that God loves. Highly favored. Amen, sister. You can tell me in her talk. I say that to you because, brothers and sisters, we're living in a time where people believe they're good in and of themselves. That there's some type of goodness. We have some type of goodness. And because I'm good, God's going to love me and we're going to get to heaven. No. You need to accept his son. Only one way in. Accept his son. You have a temper problem? Just accept his son. You have a lying problem? Accept his son. Accept his son. For by grace are we saved through faith. Yet not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. I have a question for you tonight. You have your papers in your hand. They, they hand it out early. Next time they're going to wait till I say hand it out. Amen. But you have these papers in your hand. There are going to be some questions here. I want you to read the questions. And tonight as my singer comes, I want you to look at those questions and I want you to answer them honestly. I want you to mark what is most pressing and most important to you. I understand the Bible teaches a clear plan for God to save my family. That plan is in Jesus. Amen. I understand that I must first be submitted to Christ before I expect my family to find their way to salvation. No point in trying to get everybody else saved if you have not found your place with him. Number three, I understand that there is another ark to build today. <laughs> Number four, I have already accepted Jesus as my savior and I now recommit my life to him. And that last one there, it says, I would like to talk to someone in the seminar, the team. If you would like to talk to me or pray with me, please mark that one. Because I want to pray with you and talk with you. 
And if tonight you want to make sure that you are committed to Jesus, that you are giving him permission to take your heart for the first time, mark, mark that on this paper as well. So please listen as my sister sings. bound every eyes closed <coughs> brothers and sisters I I'm thinking back in my mind to the ark and I'm thinking those eight people got on board and the call for 120 years God allowed Noah to preach and only his family got on board. Only his family got on board. And the whole world at that time lost in the flood. And I think to myself, I don't want my family to be lost. I don't want the ones I love to be lost. And then it comes pressing clear to my mind, Andre, you must get on board yourself. You must find your place. You must find your resting spot on board and in safety with Jesus. So tonight, my friends, I know you've already filled out those papers. But I want you in your spiritual mind to give God permission to put you on board. Just give him permission. In this moment in time, just give him permission. Father, the, heart, the heads have bowed, the hearts are bent before you. And no one in this room wants to be lost, Father. And no one in this room wants their family to be lost either. Father, help us to trust you with our salvation. As the world is going crazy, 
as temptations are raising their ugly head. Help us to trust you, Father. Please. I pray, Father, for those who've made their decision tonight. Give them peace that passes all understanding. Give them convictions, Lord, to take out those things, those unclean things in their homes. And Father, we thank you for visiting with us tonight and drawing us closer to yourself. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.